0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Surveyor Says. This is your host, Tim Birch. And what started out as going to be sharing of some sound bites from our NSPS lobbyist, JB Bird, turned into a pretty good conversation with him from Davis Bacon to Legato, uh, to a lot of other things going on, the Flair Act, um, all leading up into the midterm elections. So we thought we would just go ahead and share that entire conversation with you because it's a lot of great stuff about what's happening in the surveying profession both as practitioners and as the overall profession in licensing going forward. So please sit back and enjoy this conversation with JB Bird here on Surveyor Says, the NSPS podcast. Hey, joining us on the podcast this afternoon, it's a, it's a late Friday afternoon and guess what? We ran down John JB Bird, uh, the NSPS lobbyist and, uh, you know what, I was able to to just capture him for long enough to, hey, let's see what's going on in the legislative world, and so, JB, thanks for taking a few moments here on late on a Friday afternoon to really just kind of catch up on what all's going on, so how are things in uh,
1: in, in your legislative world? Hey, Tim, good afternoon, great, appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this uh, again, and thanks for reaching out. You caught me at a good time, Tim, because this is August recess, and- ah. Uh-huh um congress was in session earlier this month uh, for different reasons but they are out now back to their respective congressional districts and states so uh this week has is allowed i think a lot of folks on and off the hill to catch up on all sorts of things but also plan uh for the remainder of the third quarter and get to the fourth quarter of this year and as everyone knows as part of the two-year election cycle and the end of the 117th Congress, the election season is just around the corner.
0: Oh yes, exactly. Well, you know, I thought we would we would catch up on a few things, a few announcements that have happened in the last few weeks, and um, you know, obviously the one that that caught my attention, you know, simply because I had the had the uh, pleasure of, of being with you for uh, our little presentation, but the National Academy of Sciences, they, they had a, a, an announcement about the report that you and I uh, were, were part, took part in uh, with our little presentation. Why don't you catch us up on what, what that is all about uh, for early September?
1: Absolutely. So Tim, uh, kind of to walk through where we are in the process for the GPS interference issue, and what originally um, uh, started as Light Squared and is now Legato. uh, Back in April of 2020, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, approved what is known as the Legato Order, which is the current version of the company that we think will create interference with GPS signals and the devices, the manufactured items that surveying profession uses day in and day out for all sorts of client needs and projects. Um, So we've been on top of this. We've joined actually three different versions of coalitions to stay on top of this, Tim. And then what that allows us to do is to add our name to letters that go to the president, that go to the Federal Communications Commission, that go to all sorts of variety of other federal agencies, but also to her friends and allies in Congress, in the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives. And one of the things that culminated was um, interest on the Senate side to have a bill introduced in both the Senate and the House. And as you'll remember, last summer, NSPS members uh, did reach out to their U.S. senators and House members to request that the members of Congress co-sign what uh, co sponsor a bill known as the Retain GPS and Satellite Communications Act, S 2166 in the Senate, which is now co sponsored by four other U.S. Senators. The bill is introduced by Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma. And the House bill is H.R. 4634. That has 23 bipartisan co-sponsors. Oh, nice. Congratulations to NSPS members and their state affiliates for reaching out to their respective congressional delegations last summer. NSPS was part of the introduction of those bills, and NSPS has been helpful to add co-sponsors to those bills. Um, And as a result of that, Senator Inhofe works very closely with the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, Jack Reed of Rhode Island. They worked together in a bipartisan manner on what's known as the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. And in the 2022 version of the defense bill, the two of them worked together to add a provision into the bill that required a new study, a non-biased study by the National Academies of Science to actually once and for all, hopefully, come down one way or the other on whether, number one, there will be GPS interference from Legado. And if so, is it harmful interference? And so over the last uh, eight to 12 months, Tim, that uh, National Academies of Science uh, panel has been bringing in experts uh, on both sides of the issue and to hear their Respective testimony or expertise on whether there will be interference, and if so, will it be harmful interference. And as you know, Jim, Tim, you had that opportunity at yes. January of 2022, your first month as executive yes. director. You were weighing in on behalf of the profession on one of the most important issues ongoing for the profession and maybe i could turn it over you to tim and then i'll i'll finish up on the rest of where we are with it
0: oh yeah that was definitely uh jumping right into the the deep end of the pool uh it was it was great that we had the opportunity uh even together i mean we, uh being at the uh the oregon conference but being able to step in to do that but yeah it was it was i it was a great experience being able to explain to those educators uh why this is a, is a is a harmful situation and you know, I think one thing that uh, that really brought brought it home, at least for me, and and hope hopefully a lot of our practitioners as well, is is a lot of that legacy equipment that's still out there, and I think uh, if nothing else, that that it had that has to be at, at least acknowledged and recognized that how much harm this whole legato situation is going to be, and uh, to be able to to present our basically present our case and facts uh, of the number of practitioners the the Uh, amount of of disruption i mean harmful disruption uh it was going to be uh to not just uh, our our profession but to the general public i just i don't think it it's really uh in a lot of ways i think it was been been glossed over with the whole legato thing so yeah I, i i appreciated your counsel putting everything together and it was it was a great. I think it was a great opportunity, and uh, I think it was. I think it was quite well received, and some of our follow-up conversations uh, and correspondence uh, was was very well received. So, uh, thank you for your for your leadership and uh, and putting that all together. Well, one, a getting the getting the um, opportunity, and then and be uh, really kind of uh, leading the charge and and being able to help me along uh, as a as a rookie.
1: Now you did, Tim. You did incredibly well. You represented the profession incredibly well. You were taken incredibly seriously by the panelists. And that culminated in numerous tough, tough questions. They were not throwing these balls uh, in the Q&A portion of your presentation. And I think it was about three or four months later, we did receive some follow-up questions in writing from the panel uh, itself wanting additional clarification. So it wasn't one of these things where you just show up, speak for 30 or 60 minutes, and then you're done with. They were, as a part of the congressionally authorized panel, they wanted to make sure that they're deliverable, that they are planning to release and publish on September the 8th, 11 a.m. Eastern time on on September the 8th, that that is, Thoroughly done, and it's, it's literally going to be on the record, uh, congressional record, because it's a part of the defense bill from last year. And then any member of Congress, whether in the Senate or the House, will have uh, basically the conclusions of this of this report. However, we don't know yet what that report will look like, Tim. So we have oh, were- yeah. needles uh, <laughs> uh, through our, our various uh, memberships and coalitions, and alliances on, on Capitol Hill and with other interested stakeholders, we are keeping up to speed on that. I just had a session yesterday morning with a key alliance that we're a part of to get additional intel. Um, and so, uh, yes, we are we are keeping uh, uh, on top of this. I think Tim, the best thing we can do from a profession is to be able to respond to whatever the report the final report uh, says, and there are one of three uh, potential outcomes in our view that we should be preparing all of our state affiliates and then at the federal level for the national voice to to continue to advocate. Number one would be a victory that the report says uh, there's clearly interference and it's harmful. And Potentially one of the outcomes from that is that that could be leveraged to then go back to the FCC and have them what uh, uh, request them and have them take the action that we've been asking them all along to do, which is a stay or reverse or just stop Legato from moving forward. Um, so that's, that would be the best outcome. Uh, the worst outcome would be the report comes back and says, actually there is either interference or there's no interference, but it's not harmful. Right. Not impact in our case, the profession. So we will have to um, understand that decision and figure out a way to navigate. What does that mean from a political point of view, but also from a practical point of view. And sometimes it's a little different. Sometimes it can be the same. Uh, and then we should also be prepared for a third outcome, which is it's either neutral, it pushes the decision-making to later down the road, and it acknowledges that it could be harmful. It may not be, but it's basically ambivalent to, <laughs> to all the different stakeholders and it ends up being somewhat of a neutral uh, report that neither side is going to be happy with. And so we should also be preparing for, again, the political side of that and the practical side of that as far as preparing the, prof- the profession. So that's, that's where we are, Tim. Uh, I, I wish I had something more definitive to, to share. All we know is that the date, the time, and that NSPS... Has been given the opportunity to weigh in, provide expertise, and be a part of the entire discussion and uh, relevant. Um, we think outcome when it when it all comes down uh, to to next month when the report is released and provided to both the Armed Services Committee in the House as well as to the Senate.
0: And I guess one thing I should probably add, kind of a little bit of a footnote to that, and and, it, and assuming even if you know if it, if it's a positive outcome. Uh, the FCC is still deadlocked at two to two and we're still waiting on a, on a fifth uh, appointee though, aren't we? Is that where we're still
1: at? Well, yes, and, and you're exactly right. So there, uh, GG Sohn is the current uh, nominee for, so think of it this way, the FCC exists with at full power five commissioners. As you mentioned, there are only four And it's our understanding that the original Legato order from April 2020 was approved by a five to zero vote. Now, things have changed. NSPS got involved uh, individually, but also as part of coalitions. And we've worked to the point that we think that if there was another vote right now of the four commissioners, that would be evenly split now, two to two. So right off the bat, we're making progress on the issue from five to zero now to two to two. And to your point, Tim, the fifth commissioner will be, in our view, the deciding vote. And the question is, will the fifth commissioner, whenever whether it's Gigi Sohn or perhaps someone else that may be nominated in the future, which, which side of the equation will that commissioner take? Will the commissioner agree to continue the Legato order and there were, therefore we might lose that vote three to two? Or will the new commissioner decide to uh, stay the order and reverse course and stop the legato order from moving forward? And that would be obviously a victory for NSPS and all the other stakeholders in in our uh, various coalitions pushing back against legato order. So uh, that's a very good point. The other thing that you may want to just talk about, Tim, I know we didn't briefly discuss this uh, in prep, but. Do you want to talk about why how you were brought in for the NSRS uh, congressional briefing for NOAA, and you had a chance to discuss the relevance to GPS and NSRS?
0: Oh yeah, I, I, you know I, you're right. I had I had forgotten about that. That um, yeah, we're able to do uh, be, take part in a uh, just a, a short presentation uh, uh, on behalf of NOAA and NGS. Uh, on the modernization of the the National Spatial Reference System and our NSRS, uh, and how important that is, uh, and the, the the monies that need to be funded uh, going forward, and how important that is to maintain that. Um, yeah, it was it was nice. We was was included with uh, with Brent Jones from uh, from ERISA and ER, ERSI uh, to talk about uh, from the from the public perspective, uh, from the practitioner perspective of how important that is. Uh, going forward and how we need to maintain that funding so once again it's it's opportunities that NSPS uh, is has been leveraging uh, through our government affairs committee uh, through our relationships with the the government agencies that uh, it it it's I guess it's very nice to be be recognized as uh, as uh, being able to speak professionally to, to some of these uh, these topics to t- to some of these uh, the, this, these funding opportunities um, because it is all about the future of, of, of geospatial data and uh, no I you're you're right I had for- forgotten about that one and uh, it was a great opportunity and I think it was very well received
1: and what what I think helped to trigger that Tim was in your presentation back in January before the National Academy of Science study for the Legato GPS interference issue you spent at least one, maybe several slides discussing how uh, prominent GPS is, but specifically how diverse the NSPS membership is and how many alliances, how many different uh, working groups we have with the various federal agencies that have gone on record on our side of the GPS issue and have taken a stance against the Legato order. And so here we have a lot of collaboration not just among NSPS, but the federal agencies that we partner with all the time. And there was a basically unified voice. And we were able to communicate that on behalf of other agencies that did not have the opportunity to have an audience with the National Academies of Science panel. But we did, but we helped them out by showcasing that, yes, they were part of this. And several months later, when you had a chance to go in front of that um, NOAA, Sponsored panel that was before uh, congressional staff and appropriations uh, right. staffers. So that that was a big deal for you, Tim, to well, not to double dip, but to make sure that everyone in the surveying profession was well represented.
0: Well, exactly, and that's you know, that's that's the interesting thing that uh, you know when people ask, well, what does NSPS do for for its members, for its profession, what have you? Well, it is the hard work of the government affairs committee it's the hard work of a uh, lot of the lot of the volunteers that go into this and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm pleased to have the opportunity to be uh, out front and and deliver that message so. Um, um, but it's also good to have a partner like JB to tag along and, and help me get this stuff done so we, we look good together so uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, Speaking of advocacy and speaking of representation at uh, at a national level, we got to have a little shout out to Mr. Gary Thompson. Uh, he's taken on a pretty significant role this year. Um, longtime NSPS member and uh, um, really, he's done uh, so much behind the scenes. But uh, uh, JB, you want to talk to a little bit more about what the role he's taken on and a couple of the uh, you know some of the things that uh, he's going to be engaged with in the in the next couple of months.
1: Absolutely, Tim. So so Gary Gary Thompson is very well respected, uh, not just within the the surveying profession, but by federal stakeholders, federal agencies or other folks, whether it's members of Congress uh, and senators, um, for his expertise he provides. Uh, And I'll I'll provide you two different examples, Tim. Um, Currently, in this year, under the, under the geospatial data act one of the things the gda of 2018 authorized was to codify not just the federal geographic data committee the fgdc of which roughly 30 federal agencies are members of but it, the bill also authorized and codified the national geospatial advisory committee the ngac and this is a group of uh, 25 to 30 or so outside stakeholders, meaning they're not typically with federal agencies. They're typically representing state and local units of government. They're they're representing academia. They're representing the public and private sectors. But um, Gary Thompson is not only the NSPS representative on the NGAC, this year he chairs it. And therefore, literally any kind of issue, any kind of uh, meeting agenda, it goes through Gary. And if, if the, the uh, FGDC staff, if uh, Tanya Torrio, who's the uh, chair of the FGDC, any kind of coordination, it requires Gary Thompson. And so Gary has been, I think, a two-time member of the NGAC. And he took some time off in between those two sessions. But this second uh, tour, if you will, on the NGAC, he's been you know, his stature continues to grow, but also his influence on the NGAC continues to grow. And that means the surveying profession through Gary's leadership is also at the highest level of recommending and advising these federal agencies on anything that's surveying, mapping, and geospatial connected at the federal level, whether it's budgets, whether it's policies, programs, the coordination. And how how do all the different um, stakeholders, again, whether they're federal or non-federal, come together and work on policy? So that's the first thing that Gary uh, really, I think, uh, has been doing a great job with. And and again, his peers recognize his leadership. The second thing kind of popped up recently, Tim, and this is a big deal for coastal communities speci- specifically, but. In North Carolina, uh, there are two members of Congress from coastal congressional districts and one U.S. Senator that are working this year on what's called the second version of the North Carolina Water Summit. And this is primarily a combination of flood inundation, but also how to local communities, whether it's from the mountain to the Piedmont to the shoreline uh, regions of the state, how they deal with coastal inundation issues because they're all kind of connected right but um uh, gary has been invited and has been confirmed to speak on october the 12th of this year before this summit and uh, i believe he's going to have his own speaking slot it's not going to be a part of a panel and he'll be able to uh, highlight All sorts of different angles from a North Carolina's perspective because that's the reason that's the the stakeholder kind of perspective but what the the members of Congress and their staff recognize what Gary brings to the table is the national perspective and how can North Carolina learn from what's being done uh, best practices lessons learned from other states or from other federal agencies where North Carolina agencies can then harness and complement and work together and collaborate on. So we're uh, really excited about that. Um, again, uh, two, two U.S. representatives, House of Representative members, and then one U.S. senator are confirmed to be there and to provide remarks, and Gary's going to have the same platform. And so he, in another way, he's going to be able to educate um, uh members of Congress and a U.S senator on federal policy that directly oh, yeah. impacts North Carolina and other coastal communities by default
0: well uh well kudos to Gary for a accomplishing uh, becoming chair of the NGAC, but uh yeah absolutely absolutely this is a this is a, a a big deal you're right a big deal for the surveying profession and uh to be able to be recognized and just in to, and to provide a a part of the presentation along with, with a couple of key legislators in that area. That's um, uh, we're very fortunate to have somebody like Gary on our team, putting, putting this stuff together. So that is incredible. Um, And also speaking of incredible, um, I do believe you had the opportunity to do some testimony recently on, on, on some things. Uh, Why don't you, why don't you fill us in on, uh, you were there for for some some lively debate on uh, on on some on some key topics, but uh, let us know how uh, what went on with your testimony recently.
1: Yes, uh, Tim, it's really exciting uh, to to help represent the profession uh, before a congressional hearing, and fortunately, this is this is something that uh, the opportunity. Now, what ha- what happened was on July the nineteenth, so oh my, oh my gosh, a month. A month ago today, isn't that hard to believe? Yeah,
0: it's already been a month. Yes,
1: it's August 19th. Yeah, so a month, a month to uh, to July 19th. Uh, I had the opportunity, the honor to to provide congressional testimony before the House Committee on Natural Resources. Um, there is a subcommittee called the Energy and Mineral Resources Subcommittee. It has jurisdiction over, among other federal policies and agencies, but more specifically, the US Geological Survey, USGS. And I was asked um, to provide testimony during what's known as a legislative hearing where different bills are subject to congressional and committee evaluation. So the bills were not moved, they were not marked up, but they are simply brought in witnesses, some experts to talk about various bills. Of the four bills, that were on the agenda for the hearing to uh, have a major impact, we believe, on the surveying profession. Uh, the first one uh, will be a bill that a lot of folks have already heard about. It's called the Federal Land Asset Inventory Reform Act. We call it FLARE, the FLARE Act, HR uh, 5522, introduced by Congressman Ron Kind, a Democrat from Wisconsin. And uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman, a Republican of Arkansas, Mr. Westerman also happens to be the ranking member of the full committee on natural resources. So we had both a member, a congressional member of Wisconsin, a Democrat and a congressional member from Arkansas, a Republican, work together in a bipartisan manner to introduce the bill. The bill would uh, create an, a comprehensive uniform, uh, database for every every uh, parcel, every property, every asset that the federal government owns, and to, to make sure we have one of these comprehensive, accurate databases. Unfortunately, we don't have one of those right now that's accurate and is uniform and comprehensive. Um, so I had the opportunity to talk about how NSPS fully supports the bill as uh, written and for the committee to uh, take prompt action and try to get it marked up in what we call get it out of committee so that the full House can then have an opportunity to vote on the House bill. That was the first bill, uh, Tim. Mm -hmm. The second bill is somewhat of a a newer bill. It's been around for now, I think, two Congresses called the Sinkhole Mapping Act, H.R. 3681. This bill would actually authorize a new program in the U.S. Geological Survey To uh, detect and map sinkholes at a national level. Uh, Previously, USGS has done pilots on different areas of the country, but this would create a comprehensive, organized program to track as many of these sinkholes as possible. Uh, Fortunately, what I was able to testify uh, from a USGS perspective, and more importantly, from an NSPS perspective, is that NSPS has been one of the leaders in advocating for increased funding for the 3D elevation program of 3DAP within USGS, which is the nationwide LIDAR program. And LIDAR uh, has been used in pilot programs to detect these sinkholes. So the goal of my testimony around this bill was not to have a brand new program that reinvents the wheel, but to leverage an existing program in USGS, the 3 d program, to help satisfy the goals of the bill, the Sinkhole Mapping Act. So um, we did work very closely with uh, Wisconsin, uh, Dick Kleiman, a director, to, to uh, make sure that uh, Congressman Kine knew that uh, Wisconsin um, was fully behind uh, his leadership on the bill and obviously continues to want to help the congressman get the bill over the finish line uh, before the end of this Congress. Uh, Overall, I did take one or two other questions from the committee members, from the uh, the chair and the ranking member of of the subcommittee from California, Mr. Lowenthal, a Democrat, and a Republican from Minnesota, Mr. Stauber. So again, this was a bipartisan hearing. The bills were bipartisan. And it allowed me the opportunity again to uh to help make sure that the surveying profession's voice was heard in the halls of Congress that day.
0: Well, and I, I was able to to listen in for a majority of that uh that testimony and and, and those discussions and uh, uh couldn't have been prouder. I mean, you you do you do represent us quite well as as uh, as we've we've talked about, but uh no, it was very much appreciated. And this, you know, it's, this this. Just, just goes to the testament of the, at least once again the hard work of the Government Affairs Committee and the hard, hard working volunteers uh, uh, and and the people that represent us uh, like you like you JB so th- thank you that was that was very very well represented on our part
1: and Tim one last point about that uh, hearing is that I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up John Pelletierlo and how he's testified before uh, yes. s- at least on the Flare Act and how sinkhole mapping can be impacted by LIDAR, but um, John's John's uh, leadership, not only on these bills, but his relationships with USGS over the years, we got to the point where we were very much coordinating with our friends in USGS. In fact, we were provided some imagery from USGS to utilize in the showcase during the hearing. And so it really is a team approach, Tim. You're exactly right about that. Um, so uh, between uh, Pat Smith's uh, old leadership, if you will, the Government Affairs Committee, Mark Sargent at uh, running point now on the committee, uh, your leadership, Kurt Sunder's leadership, what you're seeing is uh, as a different passing of the torches, if you will. The consistency is there in the programming and members of Congress get it. And, and they're asking for NSPS to come up and speak and on, on, on behalf of the profession. So I uh, just want to point out that a lot of different folks have had a role to play. I just happened to, to be the person delivering the message that day.
0: You're right. There has been, uh, it has been, a, a, you know, the passing of the torches these, this last year or so. And uh, the nice thing is we're not skipping a beat and uh, continuing, continuing leading that, that good charge uh, on, on behalf of profe- our professional surveying profession everywhere. So that's, that's awesome. Um, speaking of John, uh, I would like to... Should mention as I'm getting ready to ask you about uh, as we're coming up to the midterms, and I know this was more in John's wheelhouse, but we've had several people ask us what's going on with Davis Bacon, and so um, I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit and uh, just kind of give people an idea of uh, of the forty seven thousand responses they had for for Davis Bacon. Uh, where do we think uh, uh, an outcome? comes to that, to the, the, the rules and the, and the review of, of Davis-Bacon?
1: Uh, great question, uh, Tim. I, I wish I could get fully into the weeds on this. I can't. However, we do know that earlier today, the, uh, the notice of proposed rulemaking uh, opportunity uh, has popped up. We've seen the language. We were working with our coalition allies, uh, surveying profession and several others are are aligned in different trade associations, but also other professional societies. And we've had uh, over the last probably four to six weeks, lots of conference calls. John Pelletiello has been all over this and we've been circulating. One of the coalitions we're a part of is Cough PACE, Mm -hmm. the the coalition for uh, all sorts of opportunities to defend the Brooks Act. Um, But... When, when it comes to the Coalition for Federal Procurement of Architect and Engineering Services, how do federal agencies uh, leverage and utilize um, uh, not just architects and engineers, but professional surveyors for professional services? And how does the, the, the Davis-Bacon expansion, in our belief, um, how does that play in. Well, we just had a a big kind of uh, call this morning and email exchange with all of our friends, whether it's the American Institute of Architects to uh, civil engineers, ASCE, and several other folks that we work very closely on. And we're still trying to read through what was released. I believe it was yesterday morning, but also there was an update this morning as well. Um, So overall, uh, this is very political. And it's being driven by the administration uh, because they can't, they're not able right now to do this legislatively. So they're trying to um, uh, reverse what happened. So if you take a look, Tim, at what, what happened originally in 2013 with the Davis Bacon issue overall, the Obama administration produced a, uh, an all agency um, memo, an AAM 212, I believe.
0: Yes, 212.
1: (laughs) Davis Davis Bacon uh, to surveying crews. And that broke over 50 years of tradition without any form of public comment. So now, after the Trump administration rescinded that uh, 212 of, I believe, AAM 235 back in December of 2020, what the Biden administration did is they took their time and kind of worked with their friends in the labor movement and came up with all sorts of uh, things to put back in that the Trump administration had stricken from the Obama administration. And so uh, the expansion we think is back in and it actually may have actually worsened the expansion beyond what the Obama administration did back in 2013. So we are still in the middle of reading through everything. Um, Whatever version of a game plan we can take at this point, uh, we are still putting together Uh, Maybe it's something we'll have to share by uh, the fall business meeting in October, but uh, hopefully we'll have it sooner than that, but at least we can have a a more uh, uh, comprehensive debrief at that point to share.
0: Sure. Sure. Like I said, just wanted to give people a heads up that uh, it's not going away, that there was a lot of, obviously it it generated a lot of comments and a, a uh, a lot of buzz and uh it's, it's, it's something that we're staying on top of so we'll we'll uh like you said we'll do we'll 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 share what we can when we can however we can so um i guess that, that kind of led, led up to the last question i had about we're getting close to the midterms uh i know you've been out there uh, uh in a, you know a few fundraisers a few things um I I can't imagine we're going to do any be anything else other than kind of business as usual with uh, the the differences of the parties. But um, bottom line is I think we're, we're still working everything to the, to the benefit of the profession the best we can.
1: You're you're right, Tim. And, and so, um, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up John Warren and his leadership as the NSPS PAC chairman. Exactly. This, this, this really does in some case, well, For most cases, it'll go hand in hand with policy. So what the PAC is structured to do and the way it operates, uh, it's in a very bipartisan manner. And John Warren has really standardized the membership of the committee to make sure that any contributions, that uh, voluntary contributions that any NSPS member is more than welcome to provide to to the political action committee, the PAC that NSPS has, that that money is spent as wisely as possible. And as frugally as possible. And so, my job is to uh, obviously be the interface uh, with members of Congress, whether they're House members or senators. And some of those are up, some of the senators are up for reelection this cycle, some are not, but all the House members are. And there are a lot of open seats, but there are also a lot of folks that know NSPS and we work very closely with on both sides of the aisle. And so, um, John Warren has a very thorough process to vet any request to do a fundraiser for a current member of Congress or Senator or someone that's aspiring to federal office. And uh, the committee members all have to basically sign off on the request. And it's very structured. And what that what does that mean? I've got to do my, my homework. I've got to actually justify. And I come up with the list of committees or the list of bills or letters or something that Has has, that clearly indicates that a member of Congress has either been very helpful and knows the profession and has taken action one way or another, or uh, we have a good relationship with that we think potentially next Congress might be on a committee or running a committee or a subcommittee, and it just makes makes a lot of sense strategically to do. So yes, you're right, uh, Tim, that each quarter um, I'm able to attend different events, whether they're breakfasts, luncheons, uh, receptions, or dinners. Um, and so we have to be very judicious though, because the PAC right now is not that large, but we have to be very selective. We have to make sure we spend that, that PAC money as, as, as frequently as possible and justify it. And then when we do receive letters back, Tim, from members of Congress uh, through their, their, um, their, their campaign specifically, they'll send thank you letters. And we try to share those. Uh, Trish will get a copy of those. Christine will get a copy of those. You'll get a copy of those. And then we try to hand that out to to John Warren so he he can share it not just with his committee, but also try to share it with the state uh, affiliate that that member of Congress hails from, uh, whether it's a congressional district or if it's a senator or an at-large House member. Uh, So we try to share that with the the states to see that, number one, we've been active at the, at the PAC level, but number two, the member of Congress or Senator has taken notice and actually taken the time to sign a thank you letter and which clearly connects the dots and, and uh, that they remember and actually have, have uh, acknowledged that NSPS PAC uh, continues a relationship with them or is building one with them.
0: Exactly. well, then we, we you know we would be amiss to, to not you know have a little shout out to, to John Warren even a little further, um, you know if if nothing else, uh, uh, thank you for the explanation, uh, you know on on how PAC money works, and when you make an individual contribution to the PAC, um, while yes you know for the most part it's going going into a fund that's allowing us to to uh, attend these fundraisers uh, for specific candidates and such. Um, But it also goes to the really goes to the uh, helping the entire operation on how this how the system works and it's not buying access it's supporting those that support the profession Um, bottom line is that uh, you have to have friends you have to have uh, people that that know and understand what the profession is all about and uh, this gives you an opportunity to to meet with those those uh, either, uh, you know the those candidates or 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 uh, or legislators, you know, legislators running again, um, to really say, "Hey, thanks for supporting what we what we do." Um, obviously, we wouldn't be there uh, as supporting them if they didn't see see some value and, and uh, potential in, in what we're doing as well. So, um, where you can make that make that pack donation, and uh, uh, the the drive to seventy five. Uh, as John always says, uh, we're trying to get trying to get uh, the fund back up. Um, JB has been busy, but it takes it takes our support. It takes our opportunities to do these things.
1: And Tim, two last points on that uh, as we head towards the November eight general election for members of Congress and senators. Um, so number one, you're exactly right about the drive to seventy five almost every single version now of uh, News and Views. We try to highlight where we've maybe met someone who's running for office or if it's a House member running for the Senate. Uh, If we've got a picture, we've got a quick caption. But certainly you can click on any of the links at the end of those captions because we highlight the Jefferson Club and how to become a member of the Jefferson Club. Uh, Learn more about the uh, Drive to 75 and John Warren's leadership. And just in general, get to become a little bit more knowledgeable about the pack itself. All of that is linkable to the different portions of the NSPS website. Again, it shows up in every version, just about every version of uh, news and views these days. And then finally, Tim, the second item was uh, the upcoming fall business meeting yeah. in Texas, Oklahoma. John Warren would definitely want us to make sure we reminded folks that there is a pack golf outing on Wednesday. October the twelfth, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know if you want to make a plug.
0: Oh, well, actually, yeah, it's it's going to be at uh, La Fortune Park on on October twelfth, and actually, we're going to mix it up this year. Uh, we're actually having basically two outings in one. That uh, during the day, we're going to be pull, playing the full eighteen hole championship course. And in the evening, where they have a uh, a par three course that's actually under the lights, um, and that you know that part of uh, in in uh, uh, Oklahoma at, at at seven o'clock at night, uh, we will be under the lights. Uh, weather will be beautiful, uh, good temperature, but I think it'll be a great opportunity even for the you know the non serious golfers to come out and enjoy uh, hitting it around a little bit, playing with playing with uh, the rest of the group and uh, it should be a really good time. And uh, we look forward to look, look forward to seeing you there, JB, and then the the rest of the regulars. And if you're in the area and want to want to participate, we would be more than happy to, to have you. And uh, John Warren would be more than happy to see you on the, on the course and, uh, and, and having fun with us as well. All right. Well, what turned into a quick conversation? Well, you know what? JB, you're, or you're as thorough as you always are. And, uh, once again, from, uh, not just the, the officers, XCOM directors, uh, on behalf of the members of NSPS, I'd like to thank you for all of your hard work. Um, pass our thanks on to John P as well. And, uh, everybody at, at Miller Winhold that, uh, supports everything you do. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And, uh, we, we, uh, Said, look, looking forward to to seeing you very soon uh, in Tulsa,
1: Oklahoma. Excellent, Tim. Again, thank you very much for your leadership and the opportunity to be on today's session. Appreciate it.
0: You're welcome.
1: See, See you in Oklahoma.
0: You betcha. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, Please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.